what you're going to see in this text is the church takes people to God in prayer, and then they take God to people in evangelism. So what does faithful evangelistic prayer look like? First point, faithful in prayer. Let's look at this. Verse 2 of chapter 4 of Colossians says this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Now watch this. For which I am in chains. So Paul's in lockdown, right? He's in quarantine. He is, he is shut down here. He's in chains. And then watch verse 4. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Four words I want to pull out here that we see that talks about faithful prayer uh, that the gospel produces. Number one, it's pers- persistent. Um, he says, devote yourself. The ESV, it says, continue steadfastly. The idea is that it's persistent and consistent. D.L. Moody, when he was visiting Scotland in the 1800s, went to a school. They had an auditorium and an assembly where he would speak. And he asked the kids at the school, how many of you know what prayer is? And every hand in the room went up. So he asked one of the young gentlemen in the very front. He said, well, tell me what prayer is. And the young man recited this. Prayer is offering up our desires unto God in the name of Christ. By the help of the Spirit with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. That comes from the Westminster Catechism. D.L. Moody looked at the young man and said, Son, be thankful you were born in Scotland. And then he said this. I, I just like this definition. Offering up our desires to God. Uh, do you do that in prayer? Here's what I notice, if I'm being honest. Sometimes when I'm praying over and over and over for the same thing, I feel like I'm bothering God. He's just tired of hearing it after a while. But I want you to know that that's not really the way it works with the Lord. He loves to be asked. He's a good, good father who loves to bless his children. And you're not annoying him when you ask for the same thing over and over and over again. He told us to ask him and to keep asking. Asking, and I love Psalm 50 that says this Call upon me in time of trouble, I'll deliver you. And then watch this next line, y'all. And you will glorify me through your asking. We glorify God through our persistent prayer. Prayerlessness comes because of unbelief, it comes because we think too much of ourselves and not enough about God and who He is. So when we look at prayer and being faithful to it, it starts by being persistent. But then it also goes into this place where Paul says it's informed. That's the next word. He says being watchful, being alert, staying awake. Um, One commentary I read said, Believers are to be alert about the issues for which their Christian brothers and sisters need prayer. Can I just pause here for a minute and just, just be grateful that We have a church that does a Wednesday night prayer meeting at 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. New Year's resolution right there, right? But I'm grateful for our weekly prayer guide that tells us every week how we can be praying for one another, our community, and the ministries of our church. I'm thankful for the intercessory prayer ministry where every hour on the hour, just about for 15 minutes, there is someone praying for our church and our ministries. I'm thankful for Debbie Leet 
And that email prayer chain that goes out all the time, letting us know how we can pray for one another. But these things help us to stay alert. How we can pray for one another, they help us understand what's going on in the spiritual warfare around us in our community. It keeps us informed about the mission that God has us on. Our prayers have to be in tuned with the times. Um, when we pray, we need to be informed missionally. How we can pray for the things that are going around us. So let me give you a simple way that you can do this on an ongoing basis. I know many of us, we have a love-hate relationship with social media, don't we? I mean, sometimes there can be so much negativity. It can really kind of rile us up. But what would happen if you turned your timeline into a prayer guide? And that as you scroll through your timeline in the morning and you look at your friends and the people you follow, you begin to pray for them. Somebody's having a baby, let's celebrate. Somebody's going through tragedy and loss, oh, let's mourn with them and pray for them. Somebody's being negative on a repeated basis, something's going on in their heart. How can I pray for this person? Now, maybe that's one of the ways that can help us with this love-hate relationship Turn your timeline into a prayer guide. Be informed of how you can pray. The second thing Paul shows us here is being being faithful in prayer. He says, listen, be thankful. How many of y'all put your tree up early this year? Anybody put it up earlier than ever before? Our family did. Our family put our tree up on October 30th. That's, That's early for the Dorak house. We normally wait till November 1st, and then that's when we put ours up, and A lot of people mess with us sometimes and they say, well, what about Thanksgiving? And we affectionately say, oh, we celebrate Thanksgiving every day in our house, not just one month out of the year. Oh, that's a little salty, I know. But here's the thing. The gospel always leads us to a place of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is how you fight the discontentment that always comes into our heart. Thanksgiving is how you show the world that Jesus is enough. So being faithful in prayer is persistent, it's informed, it's thankful, and then finally, it's missional. Look at verse 3. Paul says, pray for an open door for the message. Paul wants this gospel to get into the hearts of every individual and every community. So he says, we're praying for an open door. He uses this term over and over again, open door in the New Testament. In Acts 14, he says, When we arrived and gathered as the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. He says this in 1 Corinthians 16, But I'll stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide open door of effective work has been opened to me. 2 Corinthians 2, he writes, When I came to Taurus to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me, In my spirit, it wasn't at rest because Titus was not there. Listen, in our world right now, there are places where the door is bolted shut. There are countries that are bolted shut. There are people whose hearts are bolted shut, which is why we have to pray, God, give me an open door. You see, I think sometimes we think COVID-19 is a closed door. But, but I want you to see, I think COVID is actually an open door. I think right now in this season of history, 
there are more people who are open to gospel conversations. There are more people with questions, more people who are open to spiritual things than ever before. And we need to pray missionally for open doors. So we see that the gospel creates a people who are faithful in prayer. Now the second thing we see is that we see the gospel creates a people who are faithful in witness. Look at verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. Paul speaks of outsiders. Do you know of any outsiders? There's a lot in our community. I was at a prayer meeting a few years back where Randy Davis, the president of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, uh, was, was talking about Tennessee, and he threw out this t- statistic that in Tennessee, 15% of our population is connected to a local church. 15% is church-going. But he said it's, it's lower in Coffee County. That in Coffee County, only 10% of our community is connected to a local church. That hit me. So I wrote it down. But here's the thing. I think what, what outsiders look like in our community is a group of people who kind of have an ideology or a worldview that looks like this. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus, but I'm not connected to his church. And that's really one of the major populations of outsiders that we have. And here's the thing. The reason I bring this up is that it's very comfortable for us to just be comfortable with insiders, right? Right? To just be happy with our connection group and our family and the people that we know and love. And then as this world becomes more and more worldly, there's this temptation for us to retreat and only stay with insiders. And we can't do that. We must remember that we too were once outsiders. You see, you're here today because you either grew up in a Christian home and you had godly parents who passed the gospel on to you. God bless them. Or you are an outsider and an insider cared enough about you and reached out to you and brought you in. That's my story. That's what happened to me. There was an insider in this church who cared enough about me that he said, hey, I'm having a Bible study at my house and I want you to come to it. Either way, we we can't isolate or insulate ourselves from the world. But we have to use wisdom, right? Look at the next thing. Paul says, use wisdom towards outsiders. Now, when we see that, we think that means evangelism training or evangelism sensibilities. Walking with wisdom literally means walk like Jesus. Jesus was one of the most or the most effective evangelists to ever walk the planet And that's how we walk with wisdom. We walk like Jesus. I love how Paul goes further in this in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11. He talks about walking with wisdom towards outsiders. Look what he says. Aspire to live quietly. Mind your own business. Work with your hands as we told you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Walking with wisdom means working hard and not meddling. Um, In order to be a good witness at work, you first have to be a really good employee, right? 
Um, Walking with wisdom means don't be a stumbling block that can keep people from the gospel. Then he says, use, uh, make the best use of your time. That phrase actually comes from the marketplace. It means buy up as much as possible. Uh, Some of you ladies, you're really good at this. You are great at bargain shopping, right? It's Black Friday. Buy up as much as possible. Oh, but it was just 50% off. Look how much I saved. No, no, no. Look at how much you spent. Not that there's ever been a conversation like that in my house, right? But listen, the Lord sometimes gives us golden opportunities for the gospel. You got to buy that up. So listen, I didn't put this in your notes. I didn't have enough room. But I just want to give you eight quick ways that you could do that. Some of you are looking at your watches. I'm going quick. You, You can write them down or I'll post them later. Number one, eat with outsiders. Everybody's got to eat, right? Don't always eat with insiders. Invite somebody else to come join you. Never eat alone. Number two, be a regular. There's some things you're going to do every week, no matter what. I'm always going to buy fuel to go into my vehicle every week. So I go to the same gas station every week so I can get to know the people there. Hobby with non-Christians. Do you go to a gym? That's your hobby? Hobby with non-Christians. Are you part of a club? What do you do for fun? Hobby with outsiders. Talk to your coworkers. Uh, there's a story of a church member, I-, I love this, where in his office he created a free coffee station so that his coworkers can come in, get coffee, and he can talk to them and get to know them better. Talk to your coworkers. I try to share the gospel with Todd Green every week. And I'm praying, y'all. I'm praying. That's horrible. I'm sorry, Todd. We keep going. Volunteer with nonprofits. There's a reason why we partner with organizations in our community. Participate in city events. The city may call you and say, hey, we need a cousin Eddie for this Christmas thing. Are you up for that? Say no, but still participate. Prayer walk your neighborhood. I see someone in this room, I watch him almost every morning, he's always walking up and down the neighborhood, and I know he's prayer walking for all of us. And then here's the last one, Uh, start an event or a group in your neighborhood. Before uh, we had twins, before COVID, we had purchased a large inflatable movie screen. And Dr. Cox and I, we did a movie night in our neighborhood. All of our neighbors came out. It was awesome. Once this COVID thing is over, my prayer is that there be movie nights all throughout our county and city because we're doing this in our neighborhoods. Okay, so here's the thing. We change gears real quick. So you're praying. You're building relationships. I promise you this is what's going to happen. You're going to enter into gospel conversations. What do you say? How do you talk? Listen, if you don't know what to say, this year we have a CDP class called Anatomy of a Christian Witness. I'd invite you to come. Dr. Cox teaches it. He can teach you exactly what to say and equip you to share the gospel. What I want to do in our time here is I want to talk about how do you talk. Because Paul gives us some instruction of how we speak. First thing he says is be gracious. Speak about the gospel of grace with grace. Let me say this, y'all. You can win the argument and lose the person. Our job is not always to be right. Our job is to be loving. They will know we are his disciples by our love, primarily for one another, but also for outsiders. Now, you speak truth, but you speak truth with love. Then he says, winsomely, uh, seasoned with salt. 
I love how John Piper handles this. I just want to read what he says. I take this to mean that what we say about Christ and about the Christian life should be made appetizing. When food is not salted, it tastes bland. People don't want to eat it. It's unappetizing. Our speech is not supposed to be like that. So how do you season your speech with salt? Let me just tell you, you have to be amazed by God's grace. He would save someone like me. We, if we've been a Christian for a long time, sometimes we can lose the wonder, right? We have to recapture that always. Number two, you got to preach the gospel to yourself daily. There's not a day that doesn't go by where I'm not reminded that I'm a sinner. I need Jesus, and I'm grateful that he died for me. You preach the gospel to yourself daily. Number three, you got to love people, right? My wife, Katie, she's an extrovert. When she gets around people, she's energized. She loves it. Me, I love people, but sometimes people can wear me out, right? And if I don't get away to be by myself to recharge, I get a little irritated. It's not good. I say that to say this. The introverts in the room, we don't get a pass on the Great Commission. It still applies to us as well. And then he says appropriately. He says that you may know how to answer everyone. Peter says the same thing. Be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. The point I want to make here is this. You can have gospel presentations, but you're talking to a person. People are not projects. So we care for that relationship and we speak appropriately. Okay, faithful in prayer, faithful in witness. Finally, faithful in community. Now, I'm not going to read these final verses. I want to tell you what they say, though, and if you want to read them later, you can. In this passage, Paul lays out his gospel community, his people who he is partnering with in ministry. And what it shows here is that we all have a deep need for friendship in our hearts. It's part of the Imago Dei, the image of God. We are created for community. You look at uh, pop culture for a minute, some of the most popular TV shows over the last couple decades. Most popular TV show in the 80s, Cheers. Because sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, right? In the 90s, most popular TV show, Friends, I'll be there for you. Honorable mention, Seinfeld, which was a group of strange people who were friends and did random things together. Another honorable mention, Saved by the Bell, High School Friends. In the 2000s, most popular TV show, The Office, which were people who worked together and became friends. Here in this passage, we read of gospel friends. You see Jewish believers and Gentile believers who came together because of the gospel, and there was no divisions among them. Sin may fracture relationships, but Christ's salvation creates a new eternal family where we will love and be together forever. John writes, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. The greatest impact of COVID-19, I believe, will not be physical or financial. It'll be emotional and spiritual. People are craving and needing community. And let me tell you, one of the strongest evangelistic tools we have in our church is connection groups. Between the hours of 7.45 and 11, we aren't just doing classes Lives are being changed. 
In the first chapter of this book, there's a young man from Colossae named Epaphras is mentioned. He heard the gospel from Paul. He then joins Paul's connection group where Paul invests, disciples, and trains this young man. And then he sends him back to his hometown to be a pastor in Colossae. We are reading this letter today because Paul, while in chains, faithfully prayed, faithfully witnessed, and faithfully lived in community. So what does evangelism look like during COVID-19? Well, to be honest with you, it looks a lot like what evangelism's always looked like. Maybe a little bit different, maybe a little more wisdom. But in your worship guide, I've got some commitments for you to consider for 2021. I want to walk through this with you. My commitment to evangelism in 2021, commitment one, Dr. Cox taught me this a long time ago. I've been doing it for about four years now. He prays every year for 10 people who either are not connected to Jesus or not connected to the church. Would you do the same? Five to 10 people. I give you five lines because of room. If you want to do five, that's a person on each line. If you want to do 10, you can double up. I'll be faithful to pray for the salvation or church connection of these people. Would you be faithful in evangelistic prayer in 2021? Commitment two, I will begin to witness and build a friendship with blank. So from that 10, would you pick one person that you're closest to maybe, or a person who you think is ready, and say, this is where I'm starting. I'm starting with this one. This person will be my one. And periodically, either during the welcome or the closing, I'm going to bring this up. How you doing with your one? Or sharing a story about somebody's one where we can talk about this. And then here's the thing I want you to see. If you're praying and you're faithfully witnessing, people are going to respond to the gospel. They may respond with a no. That's a red light. Okay, that's fine. Let's go to the next person on the list. That's my one. We're going to go there. They may respond with a, I don't know, I got questions. That's a yellow light. Great. Keep going with that one. They may respond with a yes. And they move into a relationship with Jesus. When that happens, what are you going to do? What's the next step? Well, the next step is to bring them to church, have them be baptized, and then move them into a community where they can be encouraged and equipped. Well, what if you don't have a community like that right now? How are you going to move them into that type of community if you yourself don't have it? So here's another commitment we want you to make. The third commitment is that in 2021, I commit to this connection group, that this is going to be my community where I'm equipped and encouraged in the gospel. We're going to pray for our ones. And when someone comes to know Jesus, we're the place where we will be a spiritual community for them. Later on today, I just pray you'd go through this. And then you'd keep this sheet. You'd put it in your Bible. And you'd look at it every morning during your quiet time or whatever else. Guys, I've got a few more minutes. Can I just share one more thing with you before I wrap up? I've been praying to God, God, could you give me a vision for 2021? Just, just help me see what this looks like for me. So I just say this is for me, but if what God's saying to me, might be, he might be saying to you. And so here's a picture that God has given me for 2021. I think for many of us, we spend our lives walking up the ladder, right? We're always climbing the ladder, whatever it might be. Your, your ladder may be that you want a better job so you can get uh, something 
something shiny, right, or more comfort, or right now it might be more safety or security. I had a taller ladder, but I've recently fallen down the steps, so I don't want to talk about it. So I'm not going any higher than this, right? Pause. But here's the thing. As we climb these ladders and we spend our lives climbing up ladders, I tend to think that maybe our ladders are broken. Because what I read in the New Testament, what I see in the Christmas story, is that God didn't stay on top of his ladder distant from us. That he came down his ladder and he joined where the people needed him the most here, right? And then I read in the New Testament where Jesus says um, that we should lay down our lives and that if we want to keep our lives, we'll lose it. And that if we lose our lives, we actually keep it. And that instead of... um, making it all about us, we're supposed to lay down our lives and take up our crosses. And I just wonder, what would it look like if so many of us say, you know what, I'm laying down this ladder. I'm laying down my life. I'm risking it. I'm sacrificing it all for the gospel. If so many of us did that and we lined them up and we all locked ladders together, what would that look like? It it looks like a railroad track, doesn't it? A railroad track where the gospel can advance And the gospel can move through the neighborhoods and onto the nations. And I just wonder, in 2021, if this is what God is calling us to do. Lay down our ladders, lock them together in community, and advance the gospel to people who have never heard. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you left the splendor of heaven and came here to earth. And God, for us who were once far away, you've brought us near through the blood of your son. So God, I pray that in 2021, that would be our heart. We would not let this pandemic stop us, but that it would only give us more passion to reach people, knowing there's an open door. Lord, we love you. We thank you for saving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, if you'd like to have a relationship with Jesus or if you'd like to join our church, if you'd like to have any kind of conversation at all, I'll be at the Welcome Center. I'd love to talk to you more about a spiritual decision you may want to make. Thank you. We've heard the great news of the gospel. And now, in the words of that great Christmas song, let's go. Go tell it on the mountain. Sing it with me. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Will you stand with me? Let's sing together. Our shepherds kept their watching or silent flocks by
Amen, amen. You can be seated. A moment more. Thank you, Jake, for that message. That was a great message today. I pray that you won't just leave here and forget that. I pray you'll take that worship guide and prayerfully consider those commitments that he has challenged you to pray in 2021 for lost people, to identify one person that you'll, that you'll especially reach out to and to bring people into connection groups. Thank you uh, for that. We're so glad Taylor was here. Taylor, would you make your way with Jake to the Welcome Center? And if um, you want to talk with her, I want to encourage you to go to the Welcome Center. Um, Taylor, we are so proud of her and grateful for her sharing today. And uh, she's worthy of your prayer support, or you may want to talk with her about that, worthy of your financial support. So uh, I'd invite you to go by and see her at the Welcome Center and uh, just learn more about her campus ministry and her call to missions there. Um, we are not having connection groups today except for a few adult groups that are unaffected by child care that wanted to meet. But uh, we're taking a one-week break. We just uh, we apologize for canceling in the middle of the week. We don't usually do that. But we just had a lot of uh, uh, people with COVID in our children's leadership, part-time workers, uh, teachers who are quarantined and just really struggling to staff everything. So we're taking a one-week break uh, during this uh, really rough time of uh, COVID outbreak. Hope to be back in uh, full force uh, next Sunday, uh, first Sunday of the new year with our connection groups going, and then the following Wednesday with our CDP um, new uh, classes beginning that are listed in your um, guide there. So, uh, you know, the, the governor has called for another uh month of uh, restrictions, but churches are exempt from those uh, restrictions. We're going to continue to worship, uh, going to continue to try to meet together, uh, but we just want to be really careful, so we just encourage you, if you're sick, don't come. If you're vulnerable, don't come. Watch us online, but if you're able to come, wear a mask, if you will, please. I, I know that's a pain. But uh, uh, we want to do all we can. Wash your hands, wear the mask, stay as far apart as you can. We just want to do those common sense things so that we can continue to be a witness and to worship and, and to gather together. So uh, taking the, thank you. Sorry for the inconvenience it may have caused those of you who are parents uh, today and they didn't have anything for your children. Uh, but that was just uh, pray for us as we're doing the best we can to staff ministries during this pandemic and hope to be back in full force next Sunday. Glad you're here today. Let's just pray together uh, for the new year as we go. Would you join me, please? Father, we want to first of all thank you for your blessings in 2020. Some of us have considered this to be a rough year, and yet, Lord, we need perspective because there are Christians who have spent years in prison camps and, and in all the catacombs and all kind of things that we've never dreamed of. We are blessed. We are so, so blessed. Thank you for your mercy and grace of life and freedom. And thank you for Jesus. And thank you for your faithfulness to us, even during times of death and trouble in this past year. And now, Lord, we bow our hearts on this, the last Sunday of this year, for this new year. And we don't know what's going to happen. But, oh, God, we're determined to walk by faith with you. And we pray for relief from this pandemic. We pray, Lord, for your grace and your mercy upon us. And we pray that you'll walk with us in this time and help us to walk with courage. I want to pray over these specific commitments. Oh, God, 
I'm praying. I've made my list of 10 people I'm praying for to come to know Jesus in 2021. I pray that throughout this, whether they do it that exact way or whatever mechanism they choose, but that we'll be praying for lost people. And I pray, Lord, as Jake has challenged us, that this year we will be very intentional to reach out to at least one person to come to know Jesus. Lord, thank you for blessing us. Be with us as we move into this new year. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go chilling on the